Welcome to Woke Isn't Enough, a podcast created by two women of color who think that it's time to move collectively beyond checking the boxes when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Jess Aiden Lee, and I'm here with my colleague, Fiona Elephant, and we are the founders of Healing Equity United. Hey, Jessica, how are you doing? I'm good, Fiona. How are you? This is our, our last episode of this season. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm happy that we started this journey together. Yes, and it has been quite a journey, hasn't it? It has been. It has been. Hey, speaking of journeys, uh, I really wanted to talk to you about the journey that we ask people in society and those who engage our organization, Healing, Healing Equity United, to go on individually and as organizations. And you came up with this great little title for it. What is it, Jess? So we're calling it the five A's for now. Um, and it is, I, I think a lot of times about like the individual steps that people have to go through. And we're always talking about getting people from allyship to co-conspirator or accomplice, right? And I, I think there are steps in between. You know, it's really funny because I'm not a process person. So normally I don't sit around thinking about all of the individual processes, every single step. But I, I, I have been thinking about this one for a while in terms of of like the emotions that go along with it and how people have to move from one stage to the other. And, and so let's, uh, let's share with everybody what our five A's are. Okay, so the first one is activate. The second one is ally or ally. The third one is advocate. The fourth one is advance. And the last is accomplice or co-conspirator, as we've been calling it as well. Let's first give everyone a brief definition of what all those stages mean, and then like walk people through this path, this journey that we're inviting people to go on. Yeah, so let's start with um, Activate. And so, you know, one of the things that you and I were thinking about when we, when we were talking about Activate is, is that people have to be activated, right? So something has to happen either to someone they love or to themselves, or they, especially with the the way 2020 has been going, you know, you know, the George Floyd um, video that came out was huge to, in terms of like activating the movement around Black Lives, reactivating, I guess I would say, like the movement around Black Lives Matter. And all of a sudden, you and I started getting calls from people who were like, wait a second, like, we've been asleep this whole time and this stuff has been happening. We want to do something about it, right? So that's that's the activating um, portion of it. And so- Yeah, it's like a light, switch, mm-hmm. a light switch being suddenly turned on for a lot of people and yes. energizing them, yeah. Yes, and then and then let's talk about ally. I mean, Fiona, you love your definitions. And so, so what did the famous dictionaries say about- the word ally? Well, the famous dictionary, and it depends on which definition you use, right? But it means that um, you are a friend. At first, there's the definition that's associated with war, right? So an ally is someone who is cooperating with another force in some military purpose. Um, 
but it can also mean, you know, somebody who is willing to act for others in pursuit of a stated goal. And of course, in our sector and what we do, that stated goal is ending oppression and creating equality. Um, And that person is supposedly making a commitment to fighting oppression and prejudice. But what do we know about allies and allyship, Jessica? Well, we know that it's often not enough in terms of of wanting to really change the systems under which we operate. And being an ally could mean, you know, you're there for your friend, you're listening, when really it's great that you're there for your friend and you're listening and you're providing that kind of support, yet it doesn't shift the fact that your friend is in that situation. Yeah, another thing is, you know, um, as Dr. Benita Love always talks about, the allies read all the books. <laughs> They've seen all, all the books. documentaries. All the books. Oh, my gosh. We were talking to someone, was it a couple of weeks ago? And they were like, yeah, I just read this new book. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't have time to read that book right now. Like, <laughs> and, and it's like, it's great if you're reading books. I mean, Fiona is a book lover, so read, read, read away. Yes. Or if you're like me, you know about the apps on your phone that give you like a short five minute summary of the entire book. And that's something you can do as well. Or you watch TED Talks or you just buy the book like I do sometimes and put it on a shelf where it collects dust. And then eventually (laughs) I get to it. And then sometimes it tells me things that I already know, which is why Fiona and I have side conversations about the books that I should read versus the books that I shouldn't read and which you know, books funny. are actually helpful in advancing your in your own journey. Right. And and you know, Fiona and I've had this conversation about and, and it's something you may also think about, if you know if you're a person of color, right? Like I ask Fiona the questions all the time. She'll tell me about these books that are out there. And I'm like, is it gonna tell me about an experience I already have? Like, is it gonna talk about the model minority myth in five hundred and sixty two pages? Do I really need to read this? And sometimes she says no. Only sometimes. But the point is that allies tend to have read the books. They tend to have seen the documentaries and, you know, they plant their ally flag um, there. Solidly. Solidly. Exactly. So what's the next A? The next A is advocate. And so what that means is we want to be out there. We want to be the ones really pushing for, for change, right? We, want to, we, we might be the ones who, you know, when I was in a domestic violence organization, we were all known as advocates, right? So we're the ones who work with clients. We take them to court appointments. We, we know how the system works. We, we talk to them about the different options, right? And, and, and so Fiona, you know, as someone who's been an advocate, for you know, two hundred plus years of your of your I'm journey. I'm not that old. Thank you very much. We should all be that old. But anyway, as someone who's been an advocate for a long time, what's what what sometimes happens with advocates, and why is it important for them to move beyond just advocacy? Well, what we saw, um, particularly in the DV domestic violence or SA sexual assault sector that advocates um, 
tended to stand before survivors and not literally, but figuratively, say that 10 times fast, figuratively, um, in terms of, you know, deciding which are the best policies, which are the best means of addressing um, what was going on for survivors. And so in the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, advocates are the ones who, you know, are pushing for um, changed policies or pushing for changed laws, um, may even be out on the street protesting. But what often happens in terms of what we've seen is that that's done in isolation and not in conjunction with the communities that are directly impacted by oppression and um, discrimination or systemic racism, right? So um, advocates tend to, you know, sort of march ahead and march to the beat of their own drummers, right? Without really engaging and seeking the guidance and support of the folks that they are advocating on, whose behalves they're advocating on. What else do you want to add to that? You know, I I, I want to ask you a question. I want to push back a little bit on this because okay, we we still hire advocates for um for organizations, right? And we still need them. And and um, I was doing a training for uh, a conference last year on domestic violence and mental health, and someone in the audience kept saying, like, "Well, they don't know the system." They don't speak the language. They keep going back to um, a bad situation for themselves. And we just need to tell them how to live their lives because we know the systems. We read, we have the policies. Like, uh, I'm not say paternalism. I'm not saying I agree. I, I, I was, you know, really engaged in this conversation with this, this audience member who just really just could not just didn't understand it. Right. And so what would you say to people who are like, well, we, we are the ones who we're the experts, right? We know how the systems work. We have, we're working with people who are new immigrants, right. Or we're working with trafficking survivors that were, um, came, you know, out of a raid and have never, had never really seen a light of day since they arrived in this country. Like, well, what would you say to, to, to people who are in that situation, right. Who, who've been trained to work as advocates? I would say that they have to recognize that they are a expert in a limited capacity, right? They may be more familiar with systems and in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, they may be the expert on the book they just read, right? But they are not experts in the lived experiences and priorities that impacted communities are. Like those communities are the experts in their lives. And I would equate that to working with survivors. Yes, you may be the expert in social work. You may be the expert in law. You may be the expert in housing. You are not the expert in how that particular survivor is going to navigate any of those systems. So as an advocate, it's my opinion, 
it is our responsibility to provide all the information, to empower, to list the pros and cons and potential consequences of each step forward or each move forward and then leave it up to the impacted survivor or impacted community to decide which direction they're gonna go in, right? And so it is, it is for me an acknowledgement of a more limited version of expertise, right? You can't uh, use that expertise to then dictate what others should do. Like this whole thing of the kneeling during the anthem, right? It's like my biggest pet peeve with that is like you as the majority, right? Can't dictate the terms of protest. You can't kneel, you can't march, you can't do this, you can't do that. No, you don't get to dictate that, right? And so I would say the same um, applies to advocates. They're not the experts on every single component of this work and really need to move past advocate, advocacy um, to work in collaboration with. What do you think, Jess? Are you going to push back anymore? I'm just telling you what, what, what you and I hear in the trainings that we do, because I, th I think that it is something that is real for people, right? It's, it's a conversation that we constantly have. And people have, I understand that people have a vested interest in maintaining um, the veneer of their expertise, right? Um, because we, you know, uh, highly value that title, or we highly value our uh, label as expert in fill in the blank, right? Um, but in order to strive towards equity, you, you have to give some of that up. You have to put some of that aside, at least in my opinion. You have to advance. Exactly, which is the fourth A. Go ahead, Jess. So we know that before, sometimes before we get to the accomplice, right? Like we have to actually try to speed up and we actually have to, to, to feel sparked to move into the next level, right? And for some of us, you know, in our bodies, that might feel like a lot of anger, a lot of frustration at like, why are we doing the same things over and over again in order to challenge the systems that we work under? And so, Fiona, why don't you give them your definition of advance and, and what that means for you and how it shows up in your life? Yeah, for me, advancement means a recognition that what you are currently doing isn't sufficient. Advancement means doing that continued self-reflection, that continued practice of humility to recognize how you may still be maintaining and perpetuating systemic oppression even as an ally, even as an advocate, and really being um, open to taking the next move um, in terms of accomplishing 
or being an accomplice to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, advancement for me is taking it to the next level, right? Not getting complacent and, and stuck in, you know, I posted today, I'm good, right? Or I read another book, I'm good. Or I've attended my 777th protest, I'm good. No, what's next? What else can you do? That's what advancing means to me. What does it mean to you? Advancing means to me that you are ready to move into the next step in terms of like, you know that you know that you need to do more. You know that the things that you've been doing are great. And at the same time, you know that more needs to be done and that you need to really begin to shift the way that that things have always been done. Um, so an example, you know, is, is, you know, I was talking with um, a legislator in, in Utah uh, recently, and we we're talking about leadership of, of Gen Z and how leadership for that generation, and I think this is true to some extent with the millennials as well, is that there is no longer just one leader of a movement. There is no longer just one leader of a protest. And it's really about a group of people coming together and co-organizing, right? And so if we look at, um, you know, there was a, a whole movement on TikTok by Gen Z um, whose goal was to sell out one of the presidential, um, what do you call it? Like not campaigns, but like rallies. Rally, wasn't it? Rally. rally? Yeah. Yeah, it was a rally. And so um, they, I think they, a bunch of them, you know, came together and like RSVP'd with the goal of not showing up so that it would look empty. And it did. And so for them, it's like they are looking, they're like looking at, you know, some of us older folks and they're like, you all don't have it together you know, look at, look at what you're doing to our generation. We need to take action and we're going to do it our way. Right. So, so how many of us would have been like, okay, let's get on Facebook. Well, Facebook probably would have shut us down, but you know, like what I'm saying in terms of like, how, how do we, not that we can't, but it's a very different way of the, of how we've been doing things in the past. I mean, they basically took over like a whole platform. Right. And yet, do we know who the leaders of that were? Many of us don't because there are many different leaders, right? It's not just one person. And so, you know, advancing into accomplice and co-conspirator, I mean, that's really where we're trying to get people to. And so, Fiona, for, for the attorneys who might be listening to this, why don't you talk a little bit about accomplice oh my goodness. versus co-conspirator? Because, because honestly, for the rest of us who are not attorneys, and do not worship the written word, we're like, whatever, the terms can be interchangeable. But we know that lawyers uh, think differently. Well, just in general, folks have a pretty, there's a very negative connotation um, with accomplice and co-conspirator, um, right? It, it generally brings to mind someone who um, is not necessarily the mastermind of a crime, but has um, in some way conspired with the mastermind, acted with the mastermind, and should be held accountable um, legally for 
said criminal activity, right? And so, and so the general premise is in for a penny, in for a pound, right? If you drive the getaway car, but you didn't, you know, pull the trigger during the bank robbery, you're probably still going to be held criminally liable, right? As an accomplice or co-conspirator. Now, don't at me, all you lawyers, about your personal jurisdiction in your state and the technical definition of it. You know what I mean, okay? Um, but from the perspective of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we definitely want to have that mindset of, you know, if I am a member of a privileged community, that my fate, that my um, well-being is bound up in the fate and well-being of targeted and marginalized communities. So the same idea applies, in for a penny, in for a pound, right? So if Black male folks are being um, victimized and brutalized by law enforcement at a significantly higher rate than, you know, non-black folks or white folks, then my well-being has to be bound to his, right? And that's where we're getting at. That's what we're getting at with accomplice and co-conspirator, that there no longer can be this um, sort of fuzzy line of, you know, for example, when George Floyd was murdered and a lot of white moms in particular were activated, one recurring theme was when I heard him calling for his mother, that hurt my soul. That really spoke to me, right? And that is great. And we're saying, great, please keep up the good work, continue your journey. But in terms of advancing, what we hope is that you don't need to have your soul touched and triggered by your personal experiences, that you can see the humanity and value in these marginalized and targeted communities, even if you are not directly um, touched, implicated, right? I, I think that that's what accomplice and co-conspiratorship means for me. And the most important component actually is working at the guidance of the quest of those marginalized and oppressed communities. So just to be clear about the difference between accomplice and advocate, you know, in, in advocacy, you're, you're sort of marching along in accordance to your own expertise, right? But with accomplice and co-conspiratorship, you are moving along in solidarity with, um, at the bequest of, at the guidance of marginalized folks. What about you, Jess? Yeah, I would agree with that in terms of like thinking about, you know, what can we do, right? So we are only a couple of days away from the election and a couple of weeks away from the end of 2020. And so really thinking about, you know, regardless of how things go the rest of the year, right? Regardless of who our president is next year, like what are some of the things that we can do to stay on this path to getting to accomplish a co-conspirator? And sometimes we will slide back. 
and that's fine, right? Like we're not saying we're not, you know, here to be judgmental of you. But we also know that being an accomplice or co-conspirator means that there are risks that will need to be taken. And that there are times when we can't afford to be an accomplice or co-conspirator. And that is fine. It's, it's just really thinking about like, where are you on the journey? And how do you keep moving forward? Right. And so, and so, yeah, so this is, you know, really just something to think about for you all as we wrap up our final season, our final season, our final episode on this season. So as you said that we're just a couple of weeks away from the end of 20, I want to lift up the fact that I cannot wait to see 2020 in the rear view mirror for so many reasons. Um, but one of the things that I think, you know, my mom always told me that everything happens for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I am truly appreciative with this year is that so many people have been activated in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and so pe- so many people have moved from and shifted from activation to allyship and maybe even advocacy. And what I would love is for everyone, all of the folks who are listening, um, to continue their individual journeys, to push themselves beyond their comfort zones um, and, and to, to follow our whole journey of, of the five A's. So I'm, I'm really thankful for 2020 in that regard. Practically no other regard, but in that regard. Yeah, and so thank you for listening and feel free to get in touch with us and we will see you in 2021.